This week we're going to discuss smart clothing. Wearable tech. No, it's not wearable tech. Wearable tech is your Fitbit or your Google Glasses. Google Glass? Google Glass says. This is clothes. It could be called e-textiles or it could be called the IOT of clothes. That's catchy, isn't it? No. Are we talking about uh, dresses IOT. that change colours according to your mood and that nonsense? Well, that's what the sci-fi books talk about. But no, we're talking about textiles that now either have sensors, like haptic clothing, or yeah. they have what's called conductive yarn, which means that they take the electricity from the static that you generate anyway as you walk around with synthetic polyester type clothing and it uses that for the energy and then it sends information tiny little bits of information using the what i what internet of things use the very low bandwidth right Um, it then sends information back to your phone so the information it might send back to your phone is your heart rate how much you're sweating muscle stretch your temperature anything about wearable tech so effectively wearable tech whether it's a piece of textile a piece of rubber a watch it's the same kind of thing people have designed all manner of bits of textile to do different things i was looking at something today about micro generation which are small things that they place in the fabric that when they slide across each other when you move your arm your knee and all your joints generate the electricity to power all these different bits of wearable tech, whether it be textile or non. You can have skin patches, you can have implants. Exactly. So you can have a and lot accessories. of accessories. Especially with COVID, where we're all going to live in these little weird bubbles. It doesn't feel too far away where we're just walking around in biohaz suits, basically, does it anymore? Right. Well, the reason I wanted to talk about uh, smart clothing was that I saw a company in Japan piezoelectric what their clothing does so using the static that you produce their clothing zaps viruses and bacteria i don't know how you zap on the skin that's got stuck within the clothing itself so that's pretty amazing so that's really good for covid i would go and buy a virus zapping fabric but they're not allowed to test it on COVID because they're not allowed access. It's very regulated who's allowed to test what and who's allowed access to sort of bits of the virus. And they're not allowed to test their clothes, which I think is ridiculous. The amount of money being spent, you might as well test a jumper that might save you. Yeah, but if you've already got COVID, it's then useless. Yeah, it's not going to heal you. No, it's only going to kill it on the outside so it doesn't get to you. So it might be really good in a face mask because... It's stopping any of the virus getting to you because it's zapping it in the fabric. Yeah. And apparently as a human, it's okay because you can't feel the zapping. No, because it's micro, micro watts. I mean, let's start with the initial wearable tech. What do you think that might have been? Oh, I know what this was. There were these two guys and they had a bit of wearable tech on their belt in the 1960s and they went to a casino And this little bit of wearable tech could tell them where the roulette ball was going to land (laughs) and so that they could cheat. But before that, we had watches, which were a bit of wearable tech. Yeah. All right. Okay. Mine was much um, more exciting. Yeah, no, yours was much more exciting, but not the first. I think one of the biggest problems with all our devices at the moment is clearly 
batteries and charging and all of that really boring stuff. And so what's interesting about wearable tech is how you connect the generation with the function so your very movement is driving the electricity to do it's zapping the bugs and it's it's reporting your heart rate and your temperature i mean it's slightly worrying in many ways but one of the things i thought was really interesting was a thing called the cute circuit it was a dress in fact a t-shirt as well it used your body signals like temperature heart rate to change the color and the resonance of the fabric that's terrible. So if you saw someone and you were like, oh, they're rather nice, the whole world would know. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you can play with the parameters. So the, all it's doing is it's changing color. It's not like a culture book where the robot goes red when it's angry. You know, <laughs> it, maybe it would go a, a light cyan when it was angry because it's changed what the interaction of the colors are. It doesn't have to be that obvious. I was reading today as well, and I can't believe this. According to Google Analysts, by 2020, which I sort of feel we're nearly the whole way through, yeah. robots are going to be as good as humans at flirting and jokes. <laughs> now, I haven't really heard many robots flirting or telling jokes, but I'm thinking that's because they're still not very good. But maybe they're just going to wear the cute dress and then they'll be absolutely fine. Well, I think this is like when people said, oh, robots won't ever be able to beat chess people. I think you'll find that once they've learned, because the thing about AI and, and all of that kind of machine learning is they just learn and learn and learn and learn and learn until they are that good. Alexa does tell jokes, doesn't she? Kind of. And she does give compliments. Yes, she does. But she demonstrates the real problem with it, which is really funny stuff. It's actually quite shocking and slightly off the wall. And computers to, to understand what shocking is and how to make that funny rather than just unpleasant or rude is quite a task to do did you know that intel created a sports bra that responded to the colors that responded so, to the colors sorry to changes of the body so it firms up and loosens off depending on the kind of shock so you don't have to put on a sports bra you can just start running and it goes oh change quick firm up yes firm <laughs> up yeah exactly well, that's actually, quite good. Think, yeah, and then you think about, okay, that kind of thing is actually quite interesting. As you know, I watch a lot of MotoGP, and they have in their race suits airbags, because obviously you can't have it on the bike, because when you fall off a bike, you're generally not connected to it anymore. And they have quite an interesting amount of tech in them to work out when to set. There's no point it going off when you hit the ground. That's too late. You have to work out the changes in your G-velocity in order to say, right, I actually need to deploy before this guy hits the ground. So there There's are lots of things. fine line between, no, they're just getting their knees very close to the ground, and yeah. oh my goodness, oh my goodness, quick, airbags. And yeah, you don't airbag, want to get it airbag. wrong. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which is, are they changing direction, or have they been flicked off their bike and are now traveling through the air at a vast amount of speed? Things like that. So with VPDs as well, which are a kind of compression foam that harden when they hit the ground, which can be augmented by electricity, so that you could wear very thin body armor rather than these massive stab vests that police wear makes them look really frightening. They could wear really thin ones that know how to harden against different types of threats. I'd quite like clothing that became waterproof the moment it thought it was going to rain. Yes, and that was another brilliant thing. It's Iris Van Herpen. She used a kind of material that was breathable until it touched water, at which point it became impermeable waterproof that's yeah. very clever isn't it in hot countries 
you're constantly in this horrible place where it's hot and humid, but when it rains, it really rains, and you want to wear something light and linen, but actually when it's raining, you want something much more like a rain jacket. You can see how the mix of technology, the having the power to generate it, you know, so that it's not having to constantly be charged, because there's no point being in a rain shower and finding you haven't got any battery left, so you are going to get wet anyway. And then this way of making fabrics change their form makes it quite interesting going forwards even from a fashion point of view fashion really has got kind of boring well apparently fashion are using ai to help predict the fashion and be absolute immediate but what i was reading was it said you know fashions change on a daily basis (laughs) and i'm thinking well that's not really a fashion is it then it's more of a fad for a day and also the thing about fashion is that as it accelerates, it's like music. It ends up being no fashion. In the 60s, everyone wore many skirts, and that was the fashion. And then we got into the 90s, and there were like different tribes, but they had their fashion. Yeah, so the use of AI to speed up the ability to change the fashion, I don't necessarily think such a great thing. But the no, use but- of AI to be able to change the form of the material is amazing. Yeah. And in Seifert's books for decades, they've been talking about, yeah, the changing color and slightly sparkling outfits. Iridescence, and yeah. And also the like fact that, that fashion becomes a little bit more interesting because it's not, oh, it's a centimeter longer and the collars are slightly rounded. And it's just like, really, you know, haven't we done all the lengths and all the sizes and all the shapes already at least once? Whereas now it becomes much more functional design. How do you integrate into clothing all the little bits of gig that we walk around with? Keys, payments, mobile phones. If you think about everything that you put in your pocket or every time you go driving the car, all of those things could actually just be built into what you wear. Your phone, your keys to everything, your payments, you know, anything that you use could yeah, just be integrated. Oh, no. I put on the wrong pants and now I can't get back into my house. Or not that you'd have the wrong pants out. And now I can't get into my car. Or now I can't. What do you mean the wrong pants? What are you talking about? Well, if I wear, if my pants tell everyone, but I can unlock. Don't tell anybody. Your body (laughs) tells them. When you put on any pair of pants, it goes, oh, you are Abby Forkus. Effectively, it doesn't go, oh, you're Abby Forkus. It goes, this is your unique signature. Ah, so it's not that the pants are holding the information. It's that they've got the conductivity to be able to pick up on my sweat and heat and whatever DNA. And that's it does so I can wear clean pants each day and not worry. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Rather than having to have 50 pairs of specially designed (laughs) pants that are only for you, which would be a crazy way of doing it. You would actually say, right, anyone can wear these pants, and it picks up, let's say, your DNA and... I I don't want anyone wearing my pants either. Well, but maybe they're self-cleaning pants. Yeah, that was the really other matter. thing that I yeah that I wanted to talk about, which would be really good: self cleaning and self mending. Yes. Oh well, there we go. And actually, there are fabrics that are self mending now. They're sort yeah. of slightly organic. Really? Obviously, yeah, not available to you and me. Oh. But in laboratories, they've been designing fabrics that rebuild themselves using a kind of an idea like DNA. It's a very simplified version, but it knows how to rebuild itself. So it, it knows that I should be a string and I should keep going on being a string until I 
meet another bit of string that looks exactly like me, for example, so that it can repair and it can serve just like your human body does. Which so, needs to repair more as well as we get older. But the human body has a problem where we have telomerines which shorten every time your cell divides that ends up killing you because that's why you get old. It's a defense against cancer which is as why we get older, we are more susceptible to cancers. But I think, and it may not be correct, I think it's octopus or maybe squid. It's one of them sort of gelatinous sea creatures or maybe lobsters. They don't get older because they don't have this shortening telomerine in their cells. And I think plants don't have it either. I think it's so octopus. They... Octopus are very, very clever. And apparently there is an octopus that has eternal life. Did I talk to you about this? I it's... thought it was a lobster. Starts off as a sort of weird sea cucumber caterpillar thing, then goes into an octopus and then goes back to the sea cucumber caterpillar thing and then goes back to it. So actually, if we want eternal life, we need to look at the cells of these octopi. Are they octopi? Yeah, they are octopi. I was going to talk about something really interesting and then you went off onto death. Now, what was it? Squid's eyes? Were you into squid's eyes? No, I wasn't. It was on the self-mending clothing. Right. Go ahead. No, I forgot what it was. Ah. So the idea of it is when you tear it, it produces much like blood or actually much more like a plant sap. And that sap is then recombines itself back into the original fabric that it was, much like when you cut yourself and you you may have a scar. But I remember what I was going to talk about. So we'll move on to what I want to say now. (laughs) I mean, I know that a lot of people, especially like my husband, will go, well, I don't want clothes measuring my bodily functions. I don't care. I'm fine. And if I know about these things, then I'll be constantly terrified that I'm going to die, which is what we were talking about. But in certain cases, like hospitals or care homes or things, the fact that the sheets can absolutely monitor everything is amazing. And also in sports or formula one or anything the fact that the team can know absolutely how the sports person is doing is also amazing the rest of us it's a bit like those who have fitbits and those don't we choose but i agree with you what i find interesting and exciting is the slightly more tech items like my keys and my pants that we'll start to use also to counter that argument about i don't want to know then fine don't look at it but actually having all that information about everybody and then seeing how those people end up getting ill dying all the different things that they might happen to them or not they don't get ill because you can then start putting all of that data into machines that can go wait a minute if i start seeing this kind of behavior even in an eight-year-old I can see that that person at 40 is going to have problems with their eyes. And I also know that by doing the following things, we can mitigate that problem. So if you imagine the amazing thing about everybody wearing wearable tech is that you get to pull out really amazing data sets from medical uses. Now, obviously, you're going to get the same Facebook, Google, Apple going on where they're using that information for less than helpful reasons, but not helpful to you. So what we're saying is it is helping people to live healthier, longer lives. So yes. should we get to the point at the end that we're inserting uh, octopus cells into them and then they can live forever yeah talking uh, about inserting cells actually once wearable tech or smart clothes or e-textiles are the norm i think we will be more open 
to putting things inside ourselves as well. So until we're starting to use our DNA for storage. So people like me who've got my notes, I can put that straight into my DNA and it's stored there forever. So we've started off with an enormous computer in a different room. And then we've got to a computer a bit closer. And then we've got to a phone that's always in our pockets. And then we get to close. And then I think finally, because that's where I always think it's easiest anyway, it will be inside us. And it will be on such a nano level that it won't be like putting a chip inside us like we put in a dog. It will just be like our own cells. Yes. And we become the A-humans of the future. Well, it's better than being a B-human. Or an R-human, as they were called. (laughs) <laughs> which were the remainders the ones that, that didn't right. turn up yeah. and in what book is that <sighs> do you know what it's the one with the meld plague isn't it oh, it's the one with the rust belt alistair reynolds revelation space exactly it was a long time ago but that our human a human really was a thought that made me really think about wow that really does start to divide people from people who are you know massively augmented and then people who are not But effectively, when you look at your children, they have no or very little problem with technology. So you think their children probably have very little problem. Like for us, I don't want bits of computer stuck inside me. Oh, I I do. No, I know you. you I I need more memory. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's that, of course. But I think our grandchildren, by the time they're our age, they will be jacked in, in an almost matrixy sort of way. They're distinction between reality and virtual reality or some form of electronic fantasy is going to be much more blurred than ours and wearable tech will take them down that path once you're wearing pants that open your door it's not a huge step to bits and stuff inside you why would you bother putting it on why not just have it as a part of you and as you say then it will become even more and more a part of our biology rather than a separate piece of technology All right. Well, thank you for listening and we will speak to you again soon. Goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from me.